Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Warm Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life, and I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. All right. All right. Well, this morning we um, decided, oh, I decided we'd talk a little bit about the Bible uh, this morning, as if, you know, we don't always talk about the Bible, but this morning we talked about how to read the Bible. And how whenever whenever you look at a passage, you should first look and see what it teaches you about God, what it teaches you about his plan, what it teaches you you about the people that read it and about how they would have felt and so forth um, before you ever start to try to apply it. This afternoon, I figured we would um, look a little bit more in depth at at one of those ideas that we talked about this morning. And that is uh, sometimes Bible passages aren't meant to be taken literally. And, and I understand the sentiment when someone says, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. Um, I mean, you ask someone, why do you, why do you believe that uh, the church should blank? Why do you believe that a Christian should blank? Why do you believe that a Christian or the church should not do something? And our answer usually is, well, because the Bible says so, right? Um, and so I thought we'd ask this question this afternoon, and we won't, we won't spend the normal amount of time that we usually do uh, in our afternoon study, but I thought we'd answer this question. This is, should, should the Bible be taken literally? Should we take the Bible literally? Should we, should we just believe something just because it's in the Bible? Um, and in order to do that, let's ask, let's, ask, um, let's ask ourselves a different question real quick before we get into the text. And that is, should... Is there, any, is there ever a time, y'all can just shake your heads, is there ever a time when you should not be taken literally? When you yourself should not be taken literally? I have a problem, and that is, I'm going to give you a character flaw about my, myself. I am um, sarcastic to a fault at times. Uh, I have a friend that's even more so. In fact, he's a very good friend of mine. His name is Jake Sutton. He's the preacher at the Moultrie Church. Uh, down in Moultrie, Georgia, um, he has a he has a a safety word. Basically, Jake is. Um, I hope he listens to this. I'll send it to him online. Don't worry. But Jake is about the most sarcastic human being I've ever met in my entire life, and that is not hyperbole. Everything Jake says, any sentence, could definitely be sarcastic. And you never know. You've met those people that have. The uncanny ability when they're being sarcastic, they never crack a smile. You know, they just they look at you like, yeah, you didn't know that. Um, and so, Jake, if ever you're talking to him, if he comes preaches here or anything, you uh, this is his safety word. You ready? If he says something that just doesn't seem like it could be true, you say redneck. And if he's being sarcastic, he will tell you the truth right then. If you say redneck, he knows. You, you know you're on to him, and he will tell you the truth. So any person, any human being, 
understands that there are times when we should not be taken literally, right? There are times when I'm being sarcastic or when I'm making a joke or when I'm making a, a simile or metaphor and so forth. Well, that's the same thing with the Bible. So what I thought we'd do, um, and really this is, this is more for your notes as much as it is for uh, kind of an encouraging sermon as it were, but what I thought we'd do is we'd take down some, some instances of times when the Bible should not be taken literally so that... One, we can understand it. Two, so we can teach other people um, that just because the Bible says something doesn't necessarily mean uh, that it's that it's true. Now, keeping in mind that everything that the Bible says in a literal sense is always true. But there are times when the Bible is using other types of language and is meant to not be taken literally. So here's... Here's a basic rundown of the Bible. First off, you have all of the history. The majority of the Old Testament is history. And most of the New Testament, maybe not the majority of it, but a good portion of the New Testament history. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. Uh, the end of the book of Romans has historical accounts in it. The first Corinthians has historical accounts both in chapter 1 and chapter uh, 15. There's a little bit of history and so forth. Galatians has historical accounts. Um, the epistles of John have historical accounts. So maybe not the majority of the New Testament, but definitely the majority of the Old Testament is historical. meant that they're supposed to be taken literally. Um, you have like 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, even though it's historical, Solomon doesn't... Well, he doesn't mean for it to be taken 100% literally. 1 Kings 3 is when Solomon decides that the best thing in this situation to do is to cut the baby in half. You remember that story, right? The two, woman, two women come and they say, well, we've, um, we've made a decision during the famine that, that we, would, we would eat my child today and then we'd eat her child tomorrow. And she ran away, so what should we do? Um, even in the historical accounts, there are times when it's not meant to be taken Literally, Genesis chapter 19. Uh, there are times when the Bible records things that aren't good. Not everything in the Bible, not every example in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is amenable. Now, what we mean by amenable is when you have a command, say you have, well, let's, let's take, for instance, the command that we talked about this morning and the giving, okay? Okay. You have a command in 1 Corinthians 16 that we should give, right? We looked at that this morning. After looking at what it says about God, what it says about His plan, what it says about His people, now we understand that we should be giving, right? Well, anytime you have a command, sometimes it may be needful to, necessary, to, um, to see how they did it. And so, you look at the example of the Christians. Another good illustration is uh, the the Lord's Supper. We have Lord's Supper commanded in Matthew chapter 26. But we don't know how to do it. We don't know when to do it. He just says that we should. 1 Corinthians 11. He says that we should. But in order to find out when we should, we have to look at their, at their example, right? So we look at Acts chapter 20 and so forth. And we come find out that the Christians took the Lord's Supper and gave on every single Sunday. Not necessarily Sunday morning because... Remember that most Sundays they spent the entire day together, right? 
in the first century. So every Sunday they gave, they took the Lord's Supper. And that's when an example of a faithful Christian person is binding on us. That we should follow that example because they have a command and we see how they followed it. Not everything in the Bible is supposed to be an example for us to follow. Genesis 19 is when Noah had relations with his two daughters. 2 Samuel 13 is when Tamar is taken advantage of by her own brother. Acts chapter 8, you have um, the, the, the spread of Christianity happens because of persecution, because people are losing their lives. So not every example in the Bible is something that we should be following. So, if we just take it for, well, the Bible says it, and so I do that, we have to understand that sometimes the Bible is not meant to be followed. Some passages of the Bible are simply there for historical account. And they're not there for us to follow them. There's no one that's going to argue that Genesis 19 teaches us that we should somehow have illicit relationships with our family members, right? We, un- we understand that. No one's going to argue that. Um, so let's look at some other times. Here's an instance of a simile. Of course, simile is... Uh, uh, I'm forgetting my English training, English class from junior high and middle school and um, elementary. But a simile uses like or as. It's two. It's a it's a comparison using a like or as. Right. So write down Matthew chapter ten, verse number sixteen. Matthew ten and verse sixteen. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's a that is a, a illustration of a simile. Matthew 5 and verse 14, we have a metaphor. You're the light of the world. It's a comparison not using like or as. So the Bible uses all of these different types of ways to teach us. But we're not supposed to be, we're, we're not supposed to act like a snake, right? But we are supposed to use certain characteristics of a snake and there's certain characteristics of a dove. We're not an actual city set on a hill. But we're supposed to use that characteristic to teach us something. And in order to do that, we have to understand that sometimes the Bible is there and is teaching us through things other than literal examples, right? I've, I've told you the, the, the story of, I believe it was last week or week before last, um, we read First Timothy. It was last month. We read First Timothy, and First Timothy chapter 2 says that I request or I suggest, first of all, that prayers and supplications be offered for all people, especially for, for kings and that sort of thing, for government officials. And, um, and I once had a brother come up to me that was very, very irate after a Bible study. And I said, brother, what's wrong? He said, I, I just want to talk to you for a second. I said, okay. What's, what's going on? He said, that Bible study didn't count. And I said, okay, wh- why is that? He said, we didn't start with a prayer. And I said, okay, wh- what do you mean? And, and I, I thought he was talking about, there, there's a, um, one, of our, one of our brethren in the past named Alexander Campbell um, had a, a building out in front of his house at Bethany, uh, Virginia, where he 
That was his library. He would go to his library every time he wanted to study. And it was separated from his house. It was an octagonal building out in his front yard. And that's where he had his, his desk. If, if you go in to his, his library at Bethany, um, there's a desk, there's a pulpit, and then all the walls are just bookshelves. And I thought he was talking about something like that. Alexander Campbell would go out and he would pray for hours before he ever read the Bible. He would just spend time in prayer and getting ready before he read the Bible. And I thought that's what he meant, which is a, a very admirable idea, right? And he said, that, that Bible study didn't count. And I said, okay, wh- why? And I thought that's what he would say. And he said, we didn't pray first. And I said, okay, why? He said, First Timothy says that I require, first of all, that prayers and supplications be offered. He said, that means that the first thing we're supposed to do is to pray. Well, that's an example of um, what we're going to talk about next, which is Matthew 29, 5, 29, example of hyperbole. When Paul says that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he's not saying that the first thing you have to do is pray because he never, he never qualifies first thing in what? First thing in worship service? The first thing you're supposed to do in the morning? The first thing you're supposed to do before eat? Because when we eat, what do we do? We pray, right? But we don't usually pray for kings and queens, do we? No, we pray for, thank you for the food. Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to your service, right? Even if we don't know what that means, we still pray it. Okay. It's, a, it's, it's an example of a hyperbole. It's an example where Paul is saying the first thing that needs to be on a Christian's mind is praying. First Thessalonians chapter 5 is the same way. Pray without ceasing. It's not literal, but it's, it's a hyperbole. Here's the best illustration of a hyperbole that I can find in the New Testament. Matthew 5 and verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now is Jesus saying that if you ever lust after a woman, man, you have to take your eye out. Because here's the catch, man. Let's be honest about this. It means we have two chances to get this right. Right? If every time that we lust, we have to tear out one of our eyes, we only have two chances. Then, after that, we're free to do whatever we want. No, it's hyperbole, right? We understand that. But sometimes the New Testament commands things in hyperbole. I command that the first thing that you should do, the first thing that should be on the mind of a Christian is prayer. Now let's talk about prayer for just a second. Over the years, uh, especially in Western Christianity, we have been taught that in order to pray, you have to close your eyes, bow your head, cross your hands, right? And you have to start something with, like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we, We often think that that's prayer. And so when you ask yourself, well, I'm not going to ask you to answer, but how's your prayer life? The first thing that comes to mind is that, right? That type of prayer. And well, I don't, it's been like weeks since I actually did that. Well, what Paul is saying by hyperbole in 1 Timothy 2 and in 1 Thessalonians 5 is that prayer is something that a Christian does all the time doesn't have to start with a certain phrase or end with a certain phrase. 
doesn't have to be in a certain posture. We talked about all this last month in our Bible classes on Sunday morning. It doesn't have to fit those categories. It doesn't have to fit those characteristics in order for it to be a prayer. A Christian is a praying person all the time. You can be praying right now and I'd never know it. I can be praying right now and you'd never know it. Have y'all ever, this is a little insight into, into my mind. Have y'all ever been talking and thinking about something else at the same time? Sometimes while I'm preaching, words are coming out of my mouth, but I'm praying at the same time, right? So the, 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 the most common type of teaching in the Bible that I can find that is outside of the literal is this idea of hyperbole. This, it's, it's extra. It's, it seems impossible to teach something that is very possible. There's no way we can pray without ceasing. But there is a way that we can be praying people all the time without fail, right? Then you have passages of the Bible that are poetry, like Psalm 51.5. We've talked about that a number of times. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. People get so bent out of shape over that verse. He's just he's, he's using poetic license. He's upset. He's, so we understand poetic license to us, right? We understand that. You know this, that one song that means so much to you, some secular song. You know that song that means so much to you, but it doesn't really, doesn't really fit. Here's an example. At our wedding, we had a, a Gaelic song called Dulaman. You don't know what Dulaman is. It's a, word, it's a Gaelic word. This song, are you ready for this? This was played at our wedding. This is the song that I walked out to, Okay. It is about a piece of seaweed from the ocean finding a piece of seaweed from the shore and falling in love with it. That's poetic license, okay? Psalm 51.5 is an example of poetic license. You have to remember that some passages in the Bible, like the Psalms, were written as songs. And sometimes songs don't fit exactly because they're, they're meant to bring about imagery. Music is, is imagery happening all the time. And while we, we make very clear that the songs we sing in worship, we want the words to make sense, we want the words to be truthful, that's, that's a good thing because, because sometimes people don't understand that. And if a, new, a non-Christian or a new Christian comes into our worship service and we sing a song that has poetic license in it, there might be some misunderstanding there. We can read Psalm 51.5 and understand what he's saying, but they may not understand it. And so we need to be careful for that. But the Bible is not meant for non-Christians as much as it is for Christians. Then you have passages like Romans chapter 9, where there are letters to the close friends. Sometimes you can say things to your friends that are hyperbole or that are sarcastic or that are... Um, we call them inside jokes that other people may not believe or may not understand. Here's an example. When they're, um, when the Galatians are dealing with false teachers who are teaching them that men should be circumcised if they're going to be a Christian, Paul is trying to deal with that. It's a big problem back then. They had this idea that if you were going to be a Christian, you had to follow the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. And so... Old Testament says men should be circumcised, so 
men should be circumcised even in the New Testament. And Paul says this. Now, this is, this is a friend talking to other friends. Okay, We may not use this type of language on a regular basis. We may feel uncomfortable when he says this. But you have to remember that this is Paul upset about what these Christians are doing. Remember the questions we ask. What does it teach about God's nature? What does it teach about his plan? What does it teach about his people? What's the setting? What, what would the people have read? What would they have understood? What would they have thought about when they said that word or when they said that phrase? So they've known Paul. They know that he's sarcastic. They know that he doesn't have a filter sometimes. They know that Paul is very abrupt. And sometimes when there's false teaching, he takes it seriously. And sometimes he even takes it personally. And so he's dealing with circumcision and he says this. Galatians 5.12. You may not have even recognized that this was in the Bible, but here you go. Galatians 5.12. It's talking about those who say that men should be circumcised. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I'll give you uh, your own time to try to figure out what that means. Sometimes the Bible is not meant to be taken literally. Sometimes it's a friend talking to other friends, and he says, I'm tired of people messing with you about this. I'm tired of people causing you grief because they don't understand the New Testament. Sometimes the Bible is not to be taken literally. That being said, the Bible overwhelmingly is a literal book. It's history. It is clear-cut teaching. When someone says something like, well, I don't believe the Bible because it says this, Take them to these passages. Show them that sometimes the Bible is speaking in ways that aren't meant to be taken literally. And we need to remember that as well. Because, you know, we have problems in the church, not not in Warm Springs Road specifically, but in the church as a whole, about things, we talked about it at lunch today, about things like the question of whether or not a, a church can eat in its own building or not. If this building is somehow sacred and whether or not we should eat in it. And they go to passages like 1 Corinthians where it says, Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Again, Paul talking to friends, dealing with a problem. And he's being a little abrupt. And he's being a little sarcastic. And he says, if you're going to take the Lord's Supper and just turn it into a regular meal, why don't you go home and do that? Don't you have a house that you can eat and drink in? That's not to be taken literally that you can never eat and drink in the in the Lord's house, in the church building. Because if that's the case, you can't have a water fountain. If that's the case, uh, you can't have a lot of things. But the fact is, sometimes the Bible is not to be taken literally. But overwhelmingly, it is. Plan of salvation, how to worship in the New Testament, how to live faithfully, baptism, how to how to understand the overall plan of God. All these things are literal teachings. So just be careful next time you're tempted to say, I believe it because it's in the Bible. I do it because the Bible says to do it. Because sometimes the Bible says to do things that were never meant to be taken literally. Like Galatians 5, verse 12. When Paul says that to his friends. Or when, when he says about eating and drinking his friends at Corinth. So if you need to become a Christian, that part is is plain. It's clear. There's no questioning what the Bible says to do. It's not hyperbole. It is not simile or metaphor. It's not uh, 
poetic license. It is plain and simple that you need to obey the gospel through repentance and baptism. 1 Thessalonians 1.8 and Mark 16.15 and 16. So if you need to do that, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement for you. And you can let us know while we do that.